Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Wednesday, October the 18th, 2023. It is currently 5.10 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio, located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, in a little over an hour, I'll be getting in my car, I'll be driving to Ovalo, Texas, I'll be standing behind the pulpit within Victory Baptist Church, and we'll be opening our Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 37 and Ezekiel chapter 38. We'll be doing an observational study exercise, doing observational work on Ezekiel 37 and 38, since everyone tends to open their Bibles and just place upon it a system of eschatology, a system of theology. They just, they kind of read into the text instead of just observing the text. So we're going to do an observational study. So I'm up here in the studio thinking about, okay, how do I do this? How do I start? Okay, just just thinking about preaching in general and, and realizing that, you know, what I'm going to do is really so far off the the beaten path. It's It's so throws the template on the way you're supposed to do church and the way you're supposed to preach that you you get a little just you kind of question yourself you like you know d- does anyone really want to come to a church where they're doing an observational study exercise i don't think most people want anything to do with that i think it's more and more necessary and i've talked about it so i'm just sitting here thinking about all of that and then i look down on the floor, and there's the late there the October the sixth, twenty twenty three edition of the Sword of the Lord newspaper. It just happens to be laying down there, and so I kind of took a, a a minute and just took a break from thinking about what I'm going to do, how I'm going to do church, and I and I picked it up, and I ended up on page eight, and page eight is called the Preacher's Column. Okay, well, if you're getting ready to go preach. Maybe there'll be something in the preacher column, you know, to give you a little bit of, you know, <laughs> encouragement to tell you, keep doing the right thing, keep trying, don't give up, you know, maybe something, who knows. But I just opened it up and I said, oh, the preacher's column. So I just started looking. I looked at the first story or the little, these are like little, maybe one or two paragraphs, maybe just a, a small thing, just about preaching and preachers and the church and those kinds of things. So I read the first one. I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. The second one's much longer. And I'm like, okay, that's that's pretty good. Then I looked at the, the next one. I'm like, okay. Um, you know, I'm like, that's a little kind of you know, I, I don't know if that's very helpful. That's that's more political because uh, the third one is the very soul of our country is being ripped apart by the this deluded bunch of progressive liberals running things. And I'm like, OK, uh, what what has that got to do with anything? OK, I'm right. Is that the preacher's call? Am I supposed to just use that? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Then the next one is really two paragraphs dealing with Genesis chapter eight, verse 22. And I'm like, OK, that could be interesting. And then I read this. Then I read this. Many modern preachers have made a mockery of their honored position and title. Okay. I think in some ways, all preachers, in some ways, we make a mockery of our honored position and title because no matter, no matter what we do, we are sinners. Now, some are, we, some, we, you know, 
We all sin. So in some ways, we never live up to the position. I mean, we are, we are sinners chosen by God, by grace, by mercy to put people behind a pulpit. I, tend, I, I sometimes, I know that in some ways there's an expectation, but I do wish that it was a little bit more understood that it's a sinner preaching to sinners. It's a person trying to figure out Christianity, preaching to people trying to figure out Christianity. It's a student preaching to students. It's a learner preaching to learners. It's a disciple preaching to disciples. It's, it's a, it's a, a person with all kinds of failures and struggles and difficulties, preaching to people with all kinds of failure, struggles and difficulties. All right. But okay. I do believe that, yeah, uh, many of us make a mockery, or I should say, I know I have made a mockery of the honored position and title. I can't speak for anybody else, but I know I have. Now, listen, now he says how they've done this. They appease the crowd for personal gain and popularity. They appease the crowd for personal gain and popularity. Okay. We could talk, we'll talk about that in a minute. And it says, this writer has learned the hard way that the closer I get to God and the harder I try to preach the word without compromise, the more offensive to the world I become. Now, let me read this again. The person who wrote this said, This writer has learned the hard way that the closer I get to God and the harder I try to preach the word without compromise, the more offensive to the world I become. Hey, people are offended. The world will become more and more offended at our preaching. The closer we get to God, the harder we preach, the more the world will get offended. And when I read that, my first thought was, what are you talking about the world? The church will get offended. What are you talking about? The the church will. The church will. Uh, Someone made a joke that you have to backslide for 10 years just to be in good fellowship with most people in a church. Okay. Now, maybe that's a little, maybe that's a little judgmental, but I have heard that. So I just started thinking, ladies and gentlemen, this evening, we have the battle that everyone has been waiting for. In this corner, we have the world, unregenerate, dead in their trespasses and sins. They love their sin. They hate God. They don't want the church. They don't want the Bible. In the other corner, we have the blood-bought saints of God. These are people who've been saved. They place their faith in Jesus Christ. This is the battle of all battles. And how are we going to judge this battle We're going to judge this battle based on how they react to biblically sound preaching. Now, of course, we know the world doesn't like biblically sound preaching because it goes against their morality. It goes against their philosophy. It goes against their way. It tells them that they're a sinner. It tells them there's a hell. Of course, they're going to reject it. Of course, they don't want to listen to it. But I was thinking, is is the church any better? Are people in the church really that different when it comes to how they respond to biblical preaching? Because don't the people sit in the pew and don't they want sermons that go their way? That they get to hear what they want to hear? Because we know this, as soon as the person in the pew doesn't like it, as soon as the person in the pew disagrees with it, it's only a matter of time, ladies and gentlemen. 
It's only a matter of time until these boots were made for walking. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to start saying they're, they're going to start walking. They're going to start complaining. They're going to start grumbling. They're going to start telling you, well, we need to do this and I don't like this. And why don't we do this? And they're going to start finding everything you do is wrong until they go somewhere to get what they want, till things go their way. Is that really any different than the world? Is it really, is is the difference in how people respond to preaching, is it really that different? And we, and I believe that all the prophecy that speaks on where things are going to go, right? As the, as we look, get closer and closer to the end times is that the church is going to be the one, it's going to be the church that turns against biblical preaching. Forget what the world's going to do. It's going to be the church. That turns against it. And even in this statement, when he says modern, uh, many modern preachers have made a mockery of their honored position and title, they appease the crowd for personal gain and popularity. Well, I know this, if you don't appease the crowd, in many cases, you won't have a job. Forget personal gain and popularity. You won't have a, you won't have a, uh, a paycheck. How how many times do pastors have to give the people what they want instead of what they think they need? Because because you think about it, church after there's obviously there is a there is a template. There's an expectation. This is the way you conduct a church. You do this, and then once a month you have an activity. You do this. The teens have their activities. You get the women together. They have their activities. You may have small groups so people have a sense of community. And and you got all of these kind of expectations. There's like a general template that gets handed. If you want to be a church, here's the template, sir. Please. And if you take and you're like, I'm not going to follow this template. Forget that. We're not going to do that. We're not going to follow the template. We're just going to throw it all out. Do you think it's going to work? No, because the people in the pew are just like the people sitting at home. When it comes to the world versus the blood-bought saints of God, sadly, there's, you know what? There's inside both sinful nature. And guess what the sinful nature wants? its way. It wants its ear. Everyone says they don't want their ears tickled until their ears are not being tickled. Okay. <laughs> Everyone says they don't want their ears scratched until their ears not being scratched. No, give me the word. Come on. Give it to me, pastor. Let me have it. Preach it. And then you preach it. And they're like, well, I don't like that. Don't like that. Don't like that. Don't like that. Okay. I'm gone. Everybody wants you to preach the word of God, unadulterated, uncensored with power. Until you do, until you say something they disagree with. What is really the difference between the people at home, the world, and the church? Now, this person says, hey, the the closer I get to God, the harder I try to preach without compromise, the more offensive to the world I become. I think, I think, I think any preaching is going to be offensive to everyone to some level. And again, just, I'm going to go back to what the Bible says is going to happen to the church. Everyone seems to always forget this. This is what's coming to your church. This is what's coming to my church. This is what's coming to all churches. Second Timothy chapter three, one, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, 
And as soon as you see lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, you know that's not referencing the, the world because the world always is lover of pleasure more than lovers of God. This is referencing your church and my church. The days are coming that you're going to look around inside your church. Men are going to be lovers of their own selves. They're going to be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And how do we know that this is a reference to the church? Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. This is what the church is going to look like. We can say, if I preach, the world will hate me. I will say, if you try to even do anything halfway correctly, ultimately the church is going to hate you. For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lust, ever learning and ever, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. How many churches are filled with a bunch of people who learn, but never really come to the knowledge of the truth? And they only learn what they want to learn because the minute you say what they disagree with, they'll tell you you're wrong based off a couple of Google searches and a few articles they pull up. And then, so what are we to do in light of this coming, basically full-blown apostasy that's coming to the church? Look at this, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 1. If I said 1 Timothy 3, I apologize. That was 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7. And then look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. The time is coming that the church is not going to endure sound doctrine. Forget the world. The church is not going to endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, they shall, uh, they shall heap to themselves teach, teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. They're going, the church, you're going to wake up and you're going to preach and teach in the church and the church is going to be like, nope, we don't want any part of that. But every time people in the pew think that they're tired of the preaching and they turn against the preaching, they will always claim the preacher is in the wrong and they are in the right. Those in the church who will turn against the preaching will be the ones sitting in the pew saying that they're the right ones and the preacher is the wrong ones. I honestly don't really know what's the difference between those outside the church and their reaction to preaching and those inside the church. Because when you boil it down, you have people who think that they are right, they can tell the preacher that they are wrong, and then they will only want to hear what they want to hear. And when they hear something they don't want to hear, they will disagree. And then if it becomes enough disagreement, they become disagreeable. They become bitter. They become upset. They begin frustrated. They begin to fight. And then they will leave. So if you're a preacher, got to follow along. You got you to stay in your lane. You got to color within the lines. You got to give the people what they want. A little bit of Jesus and a whole lot of other stuff. And then you'll keep them happy, comfortable, and content. Don't rock the boat. Don't color outside the lines. Don't step on any toes.
Now, I do understand that mindset that, that, again, let me read the whole paragraph again. Many modern day preachers have made a mockery of their honored position and title. They appease the crowd for personal gain and popularity. Again, I, I think any, any pastor, if there's always times where you're, you're trying to, you're, I'm sorry, you're trying to appease the crowd. This writer has learned the hard way that the closer I get to God and the harder I try to preach the word without compromise, the more offensive to the world I become. I think you become just as offensive to those in the church. Because selfishness is the essence of our sinful nature and it manifests itself outside the church and inside the church. Think about most church splits. Do they occur because of the world? No. Fighting and bickering and division happens inside the church amongst those who are self-professed, born-again, blood-bought children of God, right? That's where it happens. That's where the fighting is. That's where the division is. That's where the disagreement is. That's where everything implodes. Something to think about when it comes to preaching. What do you think? How do you think most people within the church react to preaching? Because if you think about it, again, going back to more of the non-Catholic system, the non-Catholic system, whether we want to state it this way, when you boil it down, break it down, here's the reality. Who's the authority? The person sitting in the pew. They are to hear and then judge what they hear as whether it being true or not. In other words, they do that without seminary, without Bible college, without hermeneutics, without understanding ex- exegesis, and, and anything. They don't need to know Greek. They don't need to know Hebrew. They don't need to know the formation of the canon. They, there's, they don't need to know church history. They get to sit there with their Bible, hear a sermon, and go, true or false. And then they get to judge it. That's the system, whether we, want, we, whether we want to state it that way or not. Well, it's not, you, you can try to talk around it and try to dress it up, but that's what it comes down to. So when there's already a system in place that kind of puts them in charge, well, then as soon as they don't hear what they don't like, then they're going to immediately, in a sense, take that authority and say, well, you're wrong and you're wrong scripturally. You're wrong spiritually. You're wrong and I'm right. Where the world, in a sense, does the same thing. I don't want to hear what you say. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. I don't accept your authority. I don't accept what you're saying. He said, well, they don't accept the word of God. And the person in the pew says they, they do accept the word of God. That's the difference. Well, I do think in theory it is, but the person in the pew is saying that they know the scripture better than the person preaching and that their interpretation trumps the interpretation of the one in the pulpit. Whose interpretation trumps whose? Or whose... Whom, uh, how the correct grammatical way to say that? Whose interpretation is the superior one, the authoritative one? Something to think about on this Wednesday, October the 18th, 2023, is I'm just sitting here contemplating preaching before I go preach, right? Because I know I'm going to go try something that would not be, I guarantee you, would not be well received in most churches. I think I would be, I'd lose my job before I got started. We're going to do an observational exercise. They'd be like, uh, nope, the end. So, but I think, I think, 
I think it's necessary. So, I don't know, just some thoughts on preaching on this Wednesday. Thank you for listening. I guess it's the danger of having a studio, right? If I'm sitting here, something's on my mind, I can just hit the button, go live and talk about it. So hopefully you found something there to think about. You can email me newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great evening. We'll be back live on the air, 7 p.m. Central Time. And you know what Central Time stands for? Correct Time. So we'll be live on the air, 7 p.m. Correct Time. Because it's, you know, Texas, so our time is correct. Correct Time. And we will be doing a observational study exercise on Ezekiel 37 and 38. Hopefully you join us and hopefully it'll be beneficial. Thanks for listening. God bless.